Ooh, I can hear myself breathing. I was about to go crazy on that bride and groom part right then. I was getting fired up. There. All right. Is that too hot or is that fine? Is it a little warm? The microphone? Not the temperature? I don't know if I... I don't know if I can adjust the temperature. I don't know if I have the approval to do that. <laughs> Alrighty. So, how was Thanksgiving? Everyone, three times. That's right, man. I'm just real quick. What's y'all's favorite Thanksgiving food? A lot of stuffings. I love it. Squash. Oh, man. Free. You know, no one said, did anyone say dessert? Though, yeah, you said chocolate pie. That's right. I was going to say, there's a lot. I was going to say, yeah, Ben and I were talking about sweet potato casseroles, basically dessert. That is my favorite. I do like dressing or stuffing and turkey and all that good stuff. But boy, I can throw down on sweet potatoes. You can fry the sweet potatoes. You can just make me a baked sweet potato. I don't care. I can eat it. I'm doing all I can do to make you all as hungry as possible so that this is the most uncomfortable 30 minutes that you have as you think about your food and what's going to happen. I'm just playing, y'all. Um, I'm going to have Pat and Bruce come up here in just one second. This is, I'm going to grab this real quick. This is the first week of Advent, as John said. Woohoo! Exciting? No? Yes. All right, right on. One person. No, I'm just kidding. We have several. <laughs> just messing with you. I want to put this on a pretty table. So I'm going to do this. They're going to do our, our reading this week. Um, before, actually, go ahead and... Actually, let's do this first. Pull up my slides. So this last week... Hey, look at that. Isn't that a good picture of Selena? And I mean, Ryan's in his stoic. He just looks... And Selena's like the fawns. <laughs> She's so... She's like, hey, that's what she was doing to all the teachers. I was like, why are you being so weird, Selena? They're never going to invite us back. She's not even here. She can't even defend herself. Oh, I saw her here, but I was just like, let's all just stare at Selena as she walks out. Hey. <laughs> uh, just go to the next slide. It's pretty much similar. There's me. Who cares about that? So those were the donuts and stuff. That, where's the... Where's, well, you can look at the donuts. We got Krispy Kreme. We got Donut Country. We got Just Love Coffee for the teachers at Mitchell Nielsen. Thank you all. By the way, we took up enough money to cover it all. So, yay, praise the Lord. And then we also have, where's Lauren Person? Because she isn't going to see the health corner that we created. It wasn't on the main, it wasn't in the main part. She was at home, she's at home sick? Is that what you said? Oh, I was going to say, she might not, I wonder if she's been eating healthy or not. Just JK, as the kids would say. Just joking. Just kidding. Just joking would be JJ. All right, go to the next slide, please. Most of us know what Advent is. I have had a few people go, what is that? So let's just really, really quickly, John did a good job. I was going to read Isaiah 9, now I don't have to. So boom, that was perfect. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We'll keep rocking and rolling. So Advent is just what John talked about. Like oftentimes during this season, we look back at Jesus's first coming to the earth, and we should, and it's exciting, and it's amazing. But Advent also, in addition to that, flip to the next slide real quick. It looks back at the birth of Jesus, and we think about what that meant for us, but it also looks forward to his return. So it's a time of us encouraging one another, reflecting on what it means that this king came to the earth, 
I do a lot of kingdom thinking at this time of year, thinking about what does it mean uh, that the kingdom of God has come near, and yet, what does it mean that the kingdom of God is coming, right? And there's the, the already, the not yet part of this thing, and we get to wrestle and be encouraged, and there's, uh, yeah, there's a little theme for every week. We've been go- we're going to go through this uh, N.T. Wright devotional that has been really good so far. Pat's read the whole thing and really enjoyed it. She was sharing, which is really cool. Um, but we're, anyways, so for those, if you haven't bought it or whatever, you don't have to, Larissa sent an email out last yesterday. I hope everyone saw it. We have readings. You don't have to do it, but I would encourage you to. It's short. The passages aren't that long. The cool thing is that there's also, oh, forgot my phone. There's also a question with every single one of these that, um, with all the readings that we can just ponder and ask ourselves. So, I was looking. Anyways, I'm, I'm pulling it up right here. So this is just, I just did this one week. At the end of this week, I'll have her uh, send out the rest of them for the next week and then so forth and so on. So with that said, Pat and Bruce, if you don't mind coming up here, ask them to. You can go to the next slide if you'd like to, Kyle. You have to push the top and the bottom. I didn't do very well. And just do the, uh, so we're going to light one of the purple candles today. The way we'll do it is we'll light you might think the pink is for the last, and it's not. The pink is the third candle to light. Uh, these represent, I know, this kind of, it's kind of weird. It's no, it's <laughs> kind of weird. <laughs> it's like a, it's a different type. I knew I would screw up by doing this different type. It's supposed to be, you're supposed to like pull it like this and push that in at the same time, try to. There it is. Yes. How many preachers does it take to as John mentioned with Advent, light is a big deal about Christ being the light of the world, and there's so much to do with that. So that's why we light this. They also represent different um, independent, different Advent traditions there are. Some have five candles. I know, Pat, you guys have a five-candle one. Uh, but for the most part, a lot of uh, uh, the candles, joy is the pink candle, faith, hope, and um, it's not love, actually. You would think it's love. <laughs> uh, faith, hope, and Peace. Thank you. It's peace. Yeah. So if you wouldn't mind reading our passage today. Hello. Okay. Um, this candle traditionally is, um, represents hope, also encouragement, which is what um, the devotional that N.T. Wright is focusing on this first week. And the reading is from Luke 21, which is <clears throat> sometimes a very perplexing chapter. Um, as in the context of what's going on right before I read the passage for today is where Jesus is talking to them about the destruction of Jerusalem. And it's pretty gloom and doom and a little scary, And but he gives good advice on what they need to look for and what they need to do. And so as we, and he, he kind of jumps from the present day for them, which would be warning them about something that's to come, Of course, that event has come and gone. But he also then talks about the end times and the signs of the end. And sometimes I think traditionally we look at this passage with a lot of gloom and doom. But I want you to try to hear the hope and the encouragement that he is giving to us in this passage. And I'll be reading verses 25 through 36. There will be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars. On earth, the nations will be in distress and confusion because of the roaring and swelling of the sea and its waves. 
people will faint from fear and from imagining all that's going to happen to the world. The powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming on a cloud with power and great majesty. When all these things start to happen, stand up and lift your heads because the time has come for you to be redeemed. He told them this parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they are well into leaf, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is upon you. In the same way, when you see all these things happening, you will know that God's kingdom is upon you. I'm telling you the truth. This generation won't be gone before all of this happens. Heaven and earth may disappear, but these words of mine will not disappear. So... Watch out for yourselves, said Jesus, that your hearts may not grow heavy with dissipation and drunkenness and the cares of this life so that that day comes upon you suddenly like a trap. It will come, you see, on everyone who lives on the face of the earth. Keep awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that will happen and to stand before the Son of Man. I usually say this, but I get real excited about that passage. I'm kind of an excitable guy. If y'all turn there, let's 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 dive into this. As Pat said, she was 100% right that this is if this in Matthew 24, which is recorded what Jesus is saying. The disciples are like, "Look at the temple," and the people are like, and Jesus is like, "Well, you know, this thing is going to be destroyed." And this is probably one of the most fought wrestled with uh, passages in all of scripture, right? Like I could probably release it out to all of you and say, hey, Matthew 24, Luke 21, what is he talking about the temple? And, but there's also this end time thing in Matthew 24. They're like, but when, when is the time of the end? And like, there's so many different thoughts about it. And I bet if I release it out, there'd be plenty of different answers in here, right? There'd be people, yeah, there'd be all kinds of different answers. But N.T. Wright, I think, lands pretty safely. And most people would say that in 25, at least, we're getting to him talking about the return of the Lord, the second return of the Lord. All right? So that's what we're going to be talking about. So let's just, I'm going to we'll just dive in, y'all. Let's go. I'm excited about this. I'm going to read 25 again. There will be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars, and on earth distress among nations, confused by the roaring of the sea and the waves. People will faint from fear and foreboding of what is coming upon the world for the powers of the heaven you know we said that this week is supposed to be a time of encouragement and as pat said the very first part of this might not seem my mic's off are my batteries dead oh my battery's dead my light's still on turned off and back on again I wish it was a Nintendo. I'd go, and I'd blow in the cartridge, and it would start to work. It doesn't. My son argues with me about that. Please don't do that. Come on, 90s kids. <laughs> For those who aren't 90s kids, they had, a lot of you had 90s kids, and you saw your kids blowing into that Nintendo cartridge, and that worked. All right. I'm going get us, to get us off track here. But the very beginning does open up in this, like, I don't want to neuter what this says, right? Like, this is a distressing time for a lot of the world. 
I do like my hands to be flailing, but that's okay. We're good. We're good. Um, yeah, so, like, I don't want to neuter what this says, right? Like, this, is, this is, will be a distressing time. And as it mentions at the end, as Pat read as well, that no one will escape this time, right? Like, this is something that's going to happen. The, Jesus is going to return. And in the midst of his returning, it has, you know, these statements like the nations, uh, there will be confusion among the nations. People will faint from fear. Like, this is going to be a distressing time. So be encouraged, yeah. But this really is a passage that's all about, that is encouraging. The question that we have today that N.T. Wright poses is, do you ever find yourself growing weary in your journey of faith? What encourages you to keep going? Have you ever, have you ever thought about that much? Do you, have, do you all ever get weary? Anyone? Yes. There we go. We have some yeses. Like, do you ever have times where you're just like, man, it would be so much easier not to do this thing. I've, you know, I don't, those things will fly into my head and then I'll be like, yeah, but Jesus, like... I love him. Like, Peter, like, where am I going to go? Really? Like, let's just be real. Where am I going to go? He's just too amazing. But there are those, those, those temptations or there's times whenever you're just like, man, this is just, this is tough. There's so many things going on in the world around me and with my kids or my grandkids and my job situation, all this stuff. And I've just grown weary. We know that <clears throat> when we have those thoughts that the early church often reminded themselves of the hope that we have of Jesus returning. This was a, happened regularly, right? Read through the New Testament and see that this is something encouraging to them. So in the midst of this distressing time that there's going to be for the world, there is, there's hope. There's hope for us to encourage, to lift one another up with verse 27. It says, Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now, when these things begin to take place, stand up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. So what are we to do with the reality of this? Raise our heads. Our redemption is drawing near. Think about this. I thought about this morning. I thought we were already redeemed. Yes, and we will be. And we are being, right? That's, that, it's, the, it's the whole kingdom thing, right? Like when Jesus came on the earth, he, he repeatedly said, the kingdom of heaven has come near to you. He says, if I cast out demons by the finger of God, then what? The kingdom of heaven has come near. I'm dispelling the kingdom of the enemy and the kingdom of heaven has come near, right? So there's a reality that this king that we look back to at Christmas, that Jesus has come and he has initiated the kingdom of God. He is seated on his throne in heavenly places, far above all rule, authority, and power, and dominion, above every name, all this amazing stuff. But we also recognize the completeness of the kingdom takes place when Jesus returns to establish his kingdom forever. And we see him seated on his throne and it's going to be amazing. It's going to be just, it's incredible. Same thing with redemption. He's bought us Redeeming, this Greek word is, 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 about, is like ransom, right? If you've been kidnapped and someone pays a ransom for you. So if my wife was kidnapped and I had to pay a huge ransom for her because she's worth so much money, then I'm buying her back from the kidnapped. That's what Christ has done with his blood for us, right? But yet the fullness of our redemption doesn't take place till his kingdom, till he shows up with his, the fullness of his kingdom because that's part of the redemption process. That's part of the reward that we have. To, to, to be with him forever. This is, I mean, this fires me up. I don't know about y'all. This is real. Like, it's so easy. Sometimes we read these passages, we read the, the scriptures, and we're like, oh, yeah, yeah. No, this is real. Jesus is legit returning. And when he returns, he's coming as the son of man with what? With power and glory. 
it's hard for me not to think about this passage and not think of books like the Chronicles of Narnia and because what is he coming to do? He's coming to establish justice on the earth. He's coming to establish a kingdom. He's coming to set things right. This is why there's this dichotomy, this fear and trembling from part of the world while there's this raise up your head and joy that comes to the rest of the world because Jesus is, is coming to finally set everything right. And we recognize that in this world, we all recognize that there's things that are off, right? That we go, man, I mean, there's times in my life and things that I've gone through, I know you all have experienced this, where you go, that is, and it's almost anger, that's not right. It is not right that that child died before his mother. That's not right. It's just not right that that took place. And I, that is from God. That is, that, that God puts that in all of us. I believe it. Believer, unbeliever, I believe that we're born with that reality of us knowing that there's something not right about that. And for me, that's a pointer to God. Some people will say, well, if God allows this to happen, I'll say, then why do you feel like that? Why do you feel like that ain't right? Because there is something deep in you that goes, there must be justice. This is unjust. This is not just. But the Son of Man is coming with power and authority to set all the things that were wrong right. It's just like, again, if you've read or watched Chronicles of Narnia, when Aslan's coming, it's fearful for those who have been following the queen the whole time. But it is full of joy for those who have had injustices done against them, for those who are longing for Aslan to return to finally set everything right. Or maybe, uh, maybe Robin Hood. Remember Prince John in the, in the little cartoon? You guys, you guys know that Disney cartoon, right? I love the Robin Hood Disney cartoon. That's a fantastic movie. Prince John, is a, he's a weenie in that one. But when King Richard comes, he's coming to set things right, right? Like... That's just the reality, and that's, this is the joy like, of what we get to celebrate, the excitement of what we're doing. Jesus says, raise your head, your redemption is drawing near. The fullness of your redemption will come to completeness when the Son of Man comes on his cloud with power and authority. That day is going to happen. I mean, Paul reminds us, like, Paul, there's many times where he talks about the dead in Christ and the resurrection of the dead. If you die, if we die before the return of Christ... What do we get to celebrate? We get to realize that the dead in Christ are going to be raised first, and we're going to get some front row seats on Jesus and his return coming on the clouds of authority and power. That's going to happen. I just get, I don't know, sometimes I read it so many times, I just say, yeah, Jesus is coming back. Yeah, no, legit. With power and authority, he's coming back. The dead in Christ will rise. I'm fired up. Whew, all right, let's go. Verse 29, go to the next slide if you don't mind. Then he told him a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the leaves. As soon as they sprout leaves, you can see that yourselves and know that the summer is already near. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. There goes a whole idea of, well, Jesus said the kingdom of God was near, but yet there's a fullness of the kingdom of God that will again come to completion when Jesus returns. And right now in the midst, we're what? His ambassadors for his kingdom, are we not? to go and to spread the news. The king is coming. To go and to establish people who are loyal to the king. That the kingdom of God is, is, is about submitting ourselves to the rulership of the most amazing, beautiful, incredible person that's ever walked on the face of this earth. And he'll rule with justice and righteousness and it's going to be absolutely, uh, absolutely incredible. But Jesus tells a parable. And I love that. You know, king of the universe just shares agriculture parables. I think, we need to, I think we need that sometimes because we just we don't understand if it gets too complicated. But he tells the parable of the fig tree and just the simplicity of, hey, whenever you see the figs begin or the leaves begin to take, show up on the fig tree, 
I think in Israel, the figs are ripe around October or November. So early spring, they'll see the leaves, like, you know, and then they'll start to see the buds of the figs. It's kind of like us in the south we, with our squash and tomato plants, right? I love my, I like my garden. I know that they're going to start off real small, then they're going to start to go, and you're going to see the leaves get bigger on my squash plants, but I know it's really coming near when they start blooming. And you're like, oh, yeah, baby. I can already taste that squash. You say squash? Who says squash? Someone says squash. Okay. And I can taste that squash casserole or whatever. I can eat squash a million different ways. I actually prefer it just baked in the oven or grilled. Grilled squash is where it's at. Okay, let's get back on track. <laughs> but I know with those leaves are coming that what's going to happen, the fruit's about to, you're going to start seeing it grow and then it's going to be ripe and you're good to go. Jesus says, listen, with all of this that's taking place, we ought to know the season. And I think this is an interesting statement because I think we've seen extremes of what's taking place and what Jesus says. We've seen extremes of whole ministries built on trying to predict the day of Jesus's return, which we all know Jesus know, that we don't know the day or the hour. He's saying right here, you can know the season, but there's the day or the hour Jesus doesn't know. If you, you remember the, there was a book when I was a kid called 88 reasons that Jesus will return in 1988. I wonder if, I wonder if anyone reads that anymore. I did look it up on Amazon. It's, it's, it shows up on Amazon, but there's no copies are available. They're sold out. It's still popular. But we've seen it, right? We've seen whole ministries built around that idea of trying to predict, and they've mispredicted when Jesus is going to return. Every generation has had people predicting the day and the hour that Jesus is going to return. Sometimes we've had that cause us to go to the other ditch of going, well, I just have no idea, and I can't know, so I'm just, you know, I know that I'll be with Jesus. And that's great, but he does say, hey, followers should know the seasons. Like, you should see some signs of the distress and the different things that are taking place and understand that, hey, this is happening, and it's going to happen soon. I'm not going to go into details about that, but it's something for us to wrestle with, to think through. We should be wrestling with the scriptures. We should be thinking these through. should be trying to look at the signs and say, okay, if I know my squash is going to bloom, I can see this, this, this. There's a potential that Jesus comes back during my generation or my kid's generation or whatever. <clears throat> Verse 31, uh, I just read, the kingdom of God is near. 32 says, truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all things have taken place. That's a passage that people wrestle with a lot. Of Is he talking about destruction of Jerusalem? Is he talking about um, when people begin to see this? It'll be the generation that begins to see this. Is he just way off and saying that his return is going to take place before the disciples' generation ends? Right? I don't believe that, obviously. But there's all these different thoughts and interpretations uh, on that. I, I, I lean towards that when you see the signs, that that generation will be the generation <clears throat> that Christ returns. Um, but verse 33 says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. You can go to the next slide. Something, a couple things that's really cool about this. Number one, as I mentioned, what Jesus is saying will happen. If we have any trust in Jesus whatsoever, he is saying that him coming on the clouds with power, the, his, the reality of his return will happen. Like if we're gambling, like we, we're going all in. We are, right? Like that's, we are going all, we are, you know, as Paul would say, fools. Like, if, if, if Jesus has not been raised from the dead, like, we are betting our, our everything 
on the reality of this, but Jesus says by his own words, guaranteed, heaven or earth will pass away, but my words will not, this will happen. And I've read that a lot of times, and I thought, I've ne- so I stepped back and I went, he just said heaven and earth will pass away. Like, you know what I mean? Like, what? okay, Jesus. But the reality is, is heaven and earth will pass away. He's not telling a lie. Like, or he's not, of course he's not telling a lie. Or he's not just using it in uh, just a phrase. Revelation chapter 21, I mean, you just go to there. He says, actually, you know what? I'll read it real quick. It's a beautiful picture. Oh, I get so fired up about this stuff. Revelation 21 says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, as we sang about, adorned for, for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, I love this picture. See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them. They will be his people. And God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. And that death will be no more. (laughs) Sorry. I guess I get emotional. I think of the times whenever that has been such a pain for so many of us in such agony. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more for the first things have passed away. Isn't that beautiful? So when Jesus says heaven and earth will pass away, it's just reality. Peter even says that. We're waiting for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Like, well, I know I've said this a thousand times, but we're not dying to go off into a cloud and that's the end of our, the reality. No, the, the, the end story, which is really just the beginning, I'm sure, with God, is that the, this earth is going to be redeemed. The all, all, it's going to be set free. The new heaven, the heavenly Jerusalem coming down. God has a city prepared to come down, and there's this like marriage of heaven and earth, and it's just this incredible scene. And my favorite line is just that it says, God will dwell with mortals. Like that's the, that's just Oh, it's so exciting to think about that. This is, this is why this is a time of encouragement, right? This is why we get to celebrate and think about his, his return, uh, coming to the earth the first time and his return back to the earth and how beautiful this reality of his kingdom coming, the new Jerusalem coming, heaven and earth being recreated, being brand new, and all the corruption being set free. It's just it's such an incredible incredible reality that will not pass away because Jesus himself said it. So what do we do in light of all of this? With three more verses. Verse 34, go to the next slide. Oh yeah, you can. Look at that. That was like a tame version of don't get drunk, okay? I, had, I went through a lot because like, there might be some children in here and you never know. <clears throat> but the first thing he says here is be on guard or be cautious, be watchful. So before I, we go, kind of go forward, with the reality of this heaven and earth and this new creation, all these things, what does that mean for us today? Like right now, one of the things he says, he immediately says, be on guard then. Like, don't go to sleep. His, his, his first thing is so that your hearts are not weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness. Don't just kind of go off doing your own thing in the reality of this, right? Like, there's a, there's a job for us to do, Right? No one in here has ever been drunk. I know that. Wow. I thought I'd get a couple more laughs. laughs. Dang it. <laughs> Shoot. And we know, 
I think most of us would agree here that drinking is not sinful. It's the act of drunkenness and why Jesus is talking about this. But what happens whenever we not only get drunk, but begin to live a lifestyle of, of that type of thing? We, we lose our focus. I don't know about you, but I've had some seasons. You know, last year I went through a really bad phase of getting drunk. I'm just kidding. The shepherds didn't tell you. I better be quiet. For, uh, that's a total joke. <laughs> They're all like, shut up, John. <laughs> be quiet. No, but like back in college and stuff, right? Like there's times whenever I realized there were seasons of, of being through that. And when I think about my life and those, sometimes I don't know how productive I was. I don't know how alert I was. It's really hard to be alert and to live in drunkenness at the same time. Um, carousing, dissipation, the idea of just kind of living in this even like sexually pres- pre- promiscuous lifestyle, this, you know what? Why might we do that? I, I, why, why does he say that here? What do you think? I've, re- I've been thinking about this all week. Like, why does he shift to this, like, idea of, like, goes to this kind of extreme almost of, like, be alert. Don't live a drunken lifestyle. Don't live, I don't, I, I don't know. I have a few thoughts. There it is. We live on autopilot most of the time. So the, the idea, and here's the thing, for over 2,000 years, believers have been talking about Jesus' return, right? They've been mocked. We've been mocked. Well, when is your king going to come? This Jesus going to come? It would be easy to say, you know what, forget it. <laughs> I'm just going to kind of live on autopilot right now. I'm just gonna, I might as well live it up. He probably won't return in my time. He probably won't return in my day. So let's just kind of do what I want to do when I want to do. Jesus says, don't do that. Be on guard. Be watchful. Go to the next slide. I think maybe more challenging for us might be the next one when he says, in the worries of this life, the anxieties of this life, the idea that so many of us, you like that guy that has six arms? The idea that we have, many of us will say we have got a lot going on in our lives. Is that right? That we have kids or grandkids, jobs, um, clubs that we're a part of, all kinds of stuff. But Jesus does have a warning for us. In light of the kingdom of God and his returning, he says, listen, don't get drunk. Don't, don't, don't live a lifestyle of drunkenness. And he also says, listen, also don't be bogged down by the worries of this world. Don't become so focused on the day in and day out autopilot that Bruce was talking about that we miss out on the realities of Christ's kingdom now, that we miss out on uh, what we're called to do right now. Because I... I have a very big heart for lost people and trying to reach lost people. You all know that, um, discipling people and all these things. That very first part of this passage is scary to me, and it motivates me. <laughs> because I don't want my family, I don't want my friends, I don't want our city to be terrified when Jesus returns. I just don't. Now, everyone has a choice. I can't twist somebody's arm. Jesus never twisted people's arm into the kingdom. But like that part hits me hard. And when I think of all the things that I have going on in my life and different things like this, I don't want this to, because it says immediately after, it talks about the worriness of life and the drunkenness. And it says, and that 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 day does not catch you unexpectedly like a trap. I don't want to be going about my business, kind of doing my own thing, completely unaware. Bow. Jesus comes in cloud, with a cloud with glory and power. And I've just been doing my own thing, live my own life, kind of my own way. I think, this is important for us to think about, to ponder just a little. I'm kind of going slow here because I want us, us to kind of think through, are there some of those areas in our life? Or maybe even 
changing our perspective on all of them. I know John King has shared several times, like, man, maybe I have soccer practice to take the kids to, but instead of looking at it as something horrible or, oh, gosh, I start looking at it as, how can I share the kingdom of God, the love of God with these people? How can I sit and talk to, which can be hard for, for some of us, sit and talk to this mom over here and, or this dad over here and, and um, just kind of show them the love of Christ. Let them experience what that looks like, right? During these things that we all have to get jobs. We all have, I mean, we, Jesus is not saying go quit your job. He's not saying don't care for your kids or your grandkids or do anything like that. But he's saying don't get so bogged down that we're not conscious of God and living in communion with God in everything that we do. So instead, while we're doing the things that we're called to do, we're intentional about living in that union with God and we're intentional about doing what he's called us to do, to go make disciples of every nation. It's so beautiful. The last verse says, be alert. So there's the be on guard, and then it says, be alert. And you can go to the next last slide if you like. At all times, praying that you might have the strength to escape all these things that take place and to stand before the Son of Man. So how do we stay on guard? We pray. We commune with God. I love this ending because it's just what we've been talking about for the last two or three months about prayer and fasting and about how deeply important it is that we live in that state of communion with God, of praying and crying out to God for our city, for our, for our neighbors, of just our, that one-on-one time even with God, the, the, the time that we get together to talk, to pray, and to, just to commune with one another and, and to commune with God. See, we shouldn't wait it's bad if we wait until the emergency takes place to then go, oh, shoot, because there are some rough things that will happen, it looks like, preceding Jesus' return. The nations are going to be in turmoil. There's going to be some things. And so he's saying, listen, if you want to, to be, stand firm, we're praying for strength. Then we live that lifestyle of communion with God. I, it, I remember whenever I was a young kid, I don't know if I told this story. I hope I'm not becoming one of those preachers that starts telling the same story over and over. We all know that, man. There's some I've been like, man, you have told that story seven times. Did I talk about getting hit in the head with a rock? Have I shared that one? Okay. If I, maybe one time. I'm good. Okay. I was, I was playing uh, hide and seek when I was Jonah's age, probably about 11 years old. And we were in the woods. And one of my friends thought it'd be a clever idea to take these big rocks and start chucking them into the woods to scare us out. Well, I was like, I'm not getting out. I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to lose this game until all of a sudden I hear, I feel, punk. <laughs> and I was like, oh, all right, I'm good. And my brother looks at me in sheer terror. He's like, John, there's blood dripping down, you know, because your head bleeds really bad. I mean, it looks worse than it is. Let's just be real. And my shirt's like soaked in blood. So we're like, I've got that. And my brother's like, mom, and he takes off. And I was like, was way faster than him. I'm not that fast, but my, my brother is not the most athletic fellow. And I just take off way past him. I can imagine the terror on my mom's face to see my kid coming out of the woods with blood-soaked shirt, right? But what I re- one thing that I remember from this, though, is there was a nurse that was there. The nurse had what? Studied, prepared. She had done nursing for years. She is calm, and she's collected, she helps get everything cleaned up, put the gauze on, helps my mom to stay calm when all this stuff is going on. And I get my stitches in my head, check for concussion. I'm all good and all that stuff. And I realized that that reality of being in that communion and prayer with God, when the 
poop hits the fan or when bad stuff happens, it allows us to stay, not to, not to be unemotional, but to be clear, right? When you're prepared, you have a clarity of thought and you know, hey, and you may be called upon to help others that are kind of going, what's going on? I don't know what's happening right now. And to be able to go, listen, let's, let's, let's go to the Lord on this. Let's talk about this. Let's, you know, and, and that's, that's, that's the picture I think that Jesus gives. Be alert, be aware, some bad stuff's going to happen, but in the end, this is a huge passage of encouragement. Everything is going to be set right. We are going to get to be a part of the new heavens and the new earth and the kingdom of God, and there's going to be so much joy, and there's going to be so much peace. He's going to wipe every tear from our eyes. It's going to be just incredible. Father, I just want to talk to you right now and just say thank you. Thank you for, thank you for this encouragement this morning, Lord. Thank you that you desire even that communion of prayer with you, that you desire that that's where we get our strength is what the passage says, that we would pray that we would have the strength to do this, Father. I pray that we would be alert. Lord, I pray that we would be in that communion with you to where, Lord, if you do come during our time, Father, that, that we will be ready. And Lord, if you don't, that we would teach our children. And if you don't come during their time, they would teach their children to live in that state of communion, Father. Lord, we're so excited about your kingdom the reality of your kingdom right here, right now, what you've called us to do, and then the reality that will come in its completeness whenever you come on this earth. Lord, this season, I just, I just ask that that would be just at the forefront of our minds, and Lord, that we would share this with our friends, that we would share this with our relatives, that we would live it out, not just talk about it, that we would live in your kingdom a radically different lifestyle than others see, and that they'll be intrigued. What are you doing? What's going on? Why did you respond in this way? Thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. We're going to uh, keep up, y'all, the thing that we've been doing of just listening, spending some time to listen to the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> uh, I think I want to just keep that rolling. Um, if you haven't been here recently or whatever, we're just going to spend a couple minutes, and at the end, if someone has something from the Lord that they feel like um, it's from the Lord to share, we're going to share that to encourage one another. So let's just listen to the Lord, meditate, and reflect on what we've been talking about. No, just you, you telling that story just brought the point home too. you know, you talk about, um, leaning on the Lord, but leaning on others as well. I think a lot of us are good at sort of keeping things to ourselves and leaning on the Lord and not being vulnerable with other flesh and blood members of our congregation and our family. Um, I think that's an important part of it because that's such a, a strengthening bond when you're vulnerable with people. Uh, so just keep that in mind as well. Um, you know, as you're going through these times that if you've shared with others, um, that strength can sustain you uh, at times when people aren't there. That's good. Oh, thanks, Matt. All right. Worship team. Oh, David's got something. Well, then just share it. Everybody else's too. But uh, when, when I read this and it talks about wars and all these things and you think about everything that's happening in the world today and everything that's happened through time, is this just a reminder that for every generation, this is happening, this is real, but I'm coming back and I'm going to make things right. So that's, that's the way I read that. It's just a constant reminder. It's true. And there's absolute truth that this is, this is going to happen. It has happened. Could you imagine going through the Holocaust and those, the, the horrific times of that and recognizing that God is going to set everything right? 
He is going to set it right. You know, COVID's got nothing on Jesus. Like the reality, like it's been, there's, it's affected all of us, some of us more than others, but there will not be sickness in the new heavens and the new earth. Like he's going to set it all right. He's going to set right what we did wrong. And that's just the most beautiful story that he's coming to fix what we screwed up and then accept us back into and buy us back. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's unbelievable. All right, well, let's sing a song. Father, I, I just thank you. I just thank you for all of that. That's, that's all. I just thank you. You just blow my mind with what you've done, what you're doing. We love you so much.